1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 166 of the Box Hard Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by the ever elusive, the very festive feeling, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing?
2: I'm good, Joey. Yourself?
1: Very good, my friend. Very good. Um, One or two details I just want to give out quickly before we get on to part one and we start with the review part. I just want to say that this week's show will be the final podcast before the Christmas special. The Christmas special will be brought to you on the 27th of December. I know it's a little bit... um Probably a little bit late, but you know we do the podcast uh, every Thursday. It goes out every Thursday, and we had two options: either the twentieth, which is which is obviously this week, um, or we could do the twenty seventh. And I think the twenty seventh probably fits the best because um, you know there's so much this week as it is to review and preview, and it would have just been too crammed in. I'm trying to lock down one or two big interviews as well on the Christmas special show, so that one will be out on the twenty seventh. If you've got anything that you want to you know say or get involved in then you can please tweet us Um, I mean we will put out some tweets about this but please do try and send in your pound for pound list your knockout of the year your fighter of the year perhaps your fight of the year um, anything at all uh, that you want you know, to be mentioned or talked about on next week's show, the Christmas special, then please send those in to Podcast on Twitter, and um, yeah, the the part one on, on, on next week's show, the part one will be a review of the Frampton and Warrington card, along with the White and Chisora card, and also the Charlo card, we'll be doing that in the review part of the show, but the preview part will be non-existent, there'll be no preview part, it'll just be fun stuff like, uh, like Knockout of the Year and Fire of the Year, like I say, so... So get involved in that if you wish. Um, let's dive into this week's show, though. Let's start with the review part. We're going to start at the American Bank Center in Corpus Christi, Texas, USA. We're going to start here with the undercard. Friend of the show, he was on last week, Jamel Herring. He took on a Dilson Dos Santos, former opponent of, um, of Kid Galahad. Now, it was a fight where it wasn't televised in, in the UK, unfortunately. I think it was televised in the States only. So, unfortunately, I missed it apparently Jamel Heron didn't look all that good Um, I think he got hit quite a few times from what I've heard, but he was able to knock his man down in the first round, which is pretty impressive and also the second round, but Adilson Dos Santos, the tough Brazilian, did get back up to his feet on both occasions and was able to see out the eight rounds, so a wide unanimous decision there in favour of Jamel Herring, now 19-2 he's looking at a world title shot early next year against Masayuki Ito, he made that clear on our show last week, also on the bill, Michaela Meyer. Picked up win number nine, a defense of her NABF female super featherweight title against Calista Silgado, who's now 17 and 11 with three draws. That was a unanimous decision over eight two minute rounds. Also on the bill, we saw Arnold Barbosa Jr. pick up win number 20, a perfect 20 and 0 resume. It was for the vacant NABF Jr. super lightweight title. Um... Manuel Lopez was in the other corner there's been many Manuel Lopez's in boxing but this one was now uh, this one is now I should say 14 and 3 with one draw also on the bill fan favorite Joshua Greer Jr the guy that likes to get out a pillow to let his man know that he's going to put you to sleep um, he brought a lovely red silky pillow um, along with him on fight week, it was for the vacant WBC Continental America's bantamweight title he took on Daniel Lozano who was 15-5, and five. he actually made Lozano retire on his stall after 7 rounds, he didn't want to come out for round 8 of a scheduled 10 so another stoppage win there for Joshua Greer Jr, another man that's knocking on the door really for a world title shot soon, um, he's record 19-1 and one with one draw but The main event over here, Gilberto Ramirez. He moved to thirty nine and zero. A majority decision over twelve rounds against Jesse Hart. It was the rematch. The first fight was pretty close. The knockdown um, pretty much cost Jesse Hart the fight the first time round. But this time round, you know, it was another close fight. These guys are um, are are you know very competitive when they fight. It was for the WBO World Super Middleweight Title now. The fight, I mean, it was a good fight once again. Um, the first two rounds, I think both men kind of pushed each other back. Both men also held center of the ring. The best shot of the first round was actually by Ramirez. I think it was a left hook. In the second round, the best punch was Hart's right uppercut. I started scoring the bout properly, though, from round three. I think the commentators had the first two rounds one apiece, So I just kind of rolled with that. Um, the third round was a close round. I think both men had their moments. If I really had to edge it to someone, it would probably be Ramirez. Um, a criticism of Hart is that he throws his shots really wide, and he leaves himself open to be countered all the time. Really, um, you know, someone with good timing will will really cause him trouble. I believe in the fourth round, I gave that round to Ramirez once again. Um, he didn't land any eye-catching headshots, but his body work was really, really good. I've always thought that Hart was the bigger puncher of the two, but some of the Ramirez attacks. Those those hooks to the body and stuff like that, they looked completely damaging. They really did. 3-1, I had it to Gilberto Ramirez. Um, going into the fifth round, I actually gave that one to Hart. Um, when Hart punched with Ramirez, I mean, he was really having success. The uppercut was working time and time again for Hart. It was weird, though, because when Hart gets hit... Um, I think he makes it look a lot worse than what it really is. And one thing that Jesse did that was good in that round was when Ramirez would throw a combination, he'd sometimes just take a step to the side and change the angle and throw a little one-two combination himself. It was very clever and nice work from Jesse Hart. I also noticed that Hart would quite often initiate a clinch, despite not really appearing fatigued in that fifth round. In the sixth round, it was a hard-to-split round, really. Um, If I had to edge it, I'd probably give it to Hart. Um, the 7th round I gave to Hart once again. The 8th round I gave to Hart once again. Although it was a very messy round. The ninth round wasn't pretty either. There was lots and lots of leaning from Hart. He was really leaning on Ramirez. He didn't do too much. He was fighting in bursts. And to be honest, the best free punches of the round all came from Hart. But I did think that Ramirez probably did enough to win the round. It was a close round, though. Uh, My scorecard felt like it was going to be a bit messy, really. During the fight, apparently Ramirez had an issue with his left elbow, which made it very difficult for him to throw his left hand. And um, any punch he did throw didn't have too much authority behind it. I'm not quite sure if there's been an official confirmation of that. But the 10th round was another not-so-pretty round. I think that... Probably Hart did enough just about to win it. It was very, very difficult to score. Um, Round 11, once again, Hart was smothering Ramirez. There was a nice exchange to end the round, but I felt Hart had the better success throughout the round for me. So on my very questionable scorecard, I actually had it 7-4 to Hart going into the final round. Um, At that point, I was quite intrigued to know what the judges and perhaps other boxing fans um, had scored it um, after 11 rounds. Um, Hart looked exhausted in that final round the 12th round and Ramirez basically had to go for broke for me Um, Hart had no defence Ramirez was battering Hart Hart wasn't moving Hart wasn't holding he looked out on his feet he finally managed um, to hold for a little bit and then he recovered and he got off with his own attack it was a crazy final round I mean Hart actually finished the stronger but he had to dig so deep he really fought with the worst tactics imaginable in that final round and for me I had to give it to Ramirez um, in that round it was it was actually shaping up for a 10 8 round it was so one sided before hart went on the attack and finished strong now it was a very close fight um there were two rounds i didn't score which was obviously the first and second and i gave it one apiece because i went with what the commentary team said and there was one round i couldn't really split the pair um during the fight so i think i think i actually it, the one that i couldn't split i think i said i gave it to ramirez it was very close but i gave it to ramirez so yeah um I'm not sure I'd say it was a robbery, but for me, the way I had it on my questionable scorecard was 7-5 in favour of Jesse Hart. And then obviously he ended up losing a majority decision. I'm not quite sure what else he had to do. I think he was absolutely gutted. But like I say, it was a close fight. I had it to, um, to, to Hart by by two points, so obviously you know that's seven rounds to five, if, if I went the other way on one round, then it's a draw, so it was a close fight, I don't think you can say robbery, but very, very unfortunate for Jesse Hart, I wanted him to win the fight and talking of the predictions I think we all predicted on that fight there um, even though I wanted him to win I did go with a smart money, which was a Ramirez points win, that is what happened, um, I as you went with Ramirez to win by knockout so did the listeners, so I gain a point there and you both lose out, it's becoming Quite a quite a fantastic little run for me now. Um moving out now to the Coca-Cola Coliseum. Real cool venue here in Toronto, Canada. Just one fight really to mention over here. Or two fights actually. We we saw the return of Deary Jean, his record now 31 and 2 with one draw. It was a TKO in the very first round against Noe Nunes, who's now 18-7 with two draws. No real big thing to mention about that fight. I mean he was always expected to win that. But Jean. He's a good fighter. I mean, his two losses came to Crawford and Lamont Peterson, I believe. Um, so no shame in losing to those guys, I think one of the fights was pretty close I don't think it was the Crawford fight, but yeah um, he's been very inactive lately, I'm not quite sure why, moving up the bill once again, we saw Sammy Vargas the former opponent of Amir Khan, yes he was out again here um, very soon after that Khan fight it was for the NABA welterweight title, he actually took on Gabriel Pereiro, who was unbeaten 27-0, and Sammy Vargas pulled off the wing unanimously over 10 rounds, that was his first. 20th win also, so all the very best to him. 30-4 with two draws. Moving out now to Germany, we saw Karo Murat, 32-3 with one draw. Former opponent of Hopkins, former opponent of um, of Nathan Cleverly. He put his IBO World Light heavyweight title on the line against Sven Fallin, who had a record of 14-1. and 1. For me, I thought Karo Murat would probably get a win here, because I've never heard of this this guy here, Fallin. Um, obviously, Murat's fought at the higher level, but but interestingly enough, Murat actually got upset on the cards. one fifteen, one ten twice and one sixteen, one o nine. So quite strange scores there, but a unanimous decision for Sven Fallin. He's dethroned Caro Murat, who I think is certainly on the slide. I would have liked to see him take on someone like an Anthony Yard, actually, but it looks like that fight. Um, you know, won't be too interesting now if he's losing to this guy here. Uh, also on that undercard, we saw Jurgen Bremer pick up win number 50. It was a TKO in the fifth round against Pablo Nieves, who now has a record of 33-17 and 17 with one draw. A nice, easy way to pick up win number 50. And also on the bill, Christian Hammer. Former opponent of Tyson Fury and uh, and David Price amongst others, twenty three and five now twenty four and five. It was for the vacant WBO European heavyweight title. In the other corner was the German, um, the German undefeated heavyweight prospect Michael Wallish. His record was nineteen and zero. It was a bit of a gut check, really. Um, you know, Hammer's pretty good. Hammer is fringe world level, I guess you'd have to say, and. Um, Michael Walsh if he was going to be the real deal he would have he would have got through Hammer but no Hammer got through him it was a fifth round KO for Christian Hammer all the best to him moving out now to New Zealand at the Horncastle Arena in Christchurch we saw over here um, two fights to mention we saw Junior Far 15 and 0 now 16 and 0 a TKO in the very first round against Rogelio Rossi who's now 20 and 7 with one draw it was for the interim WBO Oriental heavyweight title Junior Far who I believe yeah. Joseph Parker in the amateurs not just once I think it was twice. He's now 16 and 0 so a prospect to keep an eye on there and the, the, the main event here obviously we just mentioned him. Joseph Parker 25 and 2 now a knockout in the third round against Alexander Flores who's now 17 and 2 with one draw. The other loss came to Charles Martin and Joseph Parker's gone and done it I believe in the same round or if not then one round before Charles Martin did. So uh, a good win there for Joseph Parker. We went on the Prediction League and we all went with Parker to win by knockout so we all gain a point there um Moving out now to the O2 Academy in Bournemouth, Dorset, UK. We have over here um, Chris Billam-Smith. He moved to 8-0. and A TKO in the sixth and final round against a guy who was 1-6. and six. Um, The guy was down in the first round and also in the second round, but it did take the final round um, for Chris Billam-Smith to actually get the stoppage. Like I say, sixth round TKO. And on the undercard, the return of Joe Pickford, who's been out the ring for about a year and a half or even a little bit more. He hasn't fought since the Aaron Morgan fight in which he won. He remained undefeated, now 14-0, a KO in round three against Daniel Urbanski, who is now 21-27 and with three draws. A good win there for Joe Pigford. I want to see him much more active. He really does have a lot of talent. Um, moving now to the Brentwood Centre in Brentwood, Essex, UK. A few fights to mention over here. Um, we saw the debut of Mohamed Bilal Ali. He's actually a guy that trains in the Peacock Gym. He's very much part of the Anthony Yard entourage. Uh, he had his debut here, a, uh, a points win over four rounds against journeyman Andy Harris, who I believe was having almost his 70th fight, something like that. I think it was his 69th fight, woo-hoo. Um, Hamza Shiraz moved to 6-0, a points win over six rounds against Jordan Granham, the journeyman, 4-43, one draw now. Ryan Garner picked up a win, a TKO in round three against Jose Aguilar. Ryan Garner now 8-0, very much a prospect to watch from your neck of the woods, Iaz. Also on the bill, we saw Bradley 28 and 2 take on diego ramirez 16 and 2 uh, it was for the vacant wbo international welterweight title now this was uh, pretty crazy, um, in my opinion. I, as i Obviously, Bradley Skeet, you know, he, he lost earlier this year to, um, to Le Haraga, in which he had his body attacked real bad. And then, obviously, he bounced back a win against a guy who'd never been stopped called, I think his name was Fernando Valencia. And then he steps in against this guy here who he was completely expected to beat. We thought he was going to wipe the guy out. Um, the problem is the guy that he took on was something like, I think he was a six-foot-tall um, southpaw, um, Sorry, I say six foot two. I think he was even. He might have even been six foot two. I think he was slightly taller than Bradley because Skeet, Bradley Skeets obviously big for the weight, but this guy was even bigger. And like I say, a southpaw. I mean, he had two losses on his resume, but none by stoppage. He's a kind of guy that you, you know you really struggle to find footage of. And his two losses came, you know. In his, in his hometown, really, or in his home nation of of Argentina. He was one of those guys. He didn't have a big knockout uh, ratio either. Five knockout wins he's got now in 17, and that's including the one here against Bradley Skeet. He was able to knock Skeet out in the second round. Very, very bad place Bradley Skeet finds himself in now, Ayaz. And to be honest, I think it's a very hard road back for him.
2: You're right by that. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, Bradley Skeet obviously got knocked out in, in that fight. I mean, you're you're right here for him, tough coming back. Um, If there's a comfortable fight, he, I mean, there is one more fight left, I think, that you should go for. It's a Frankie Gavin fight.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think now's the time for that. Um, You know, that's, that's what I was going to say, to be honest. I think now's the time for that. Even though Frankie Gavin came out earlier this week saying that the skeet fight's gone now. I think, no, I think the skeet fight's very much there now. What are you talking about? Um... Yeah, but, but gutting for Skeet, man, I mean, to think, I just want to quickly remind the listeners, to think, this guy was ranked number three in the world with the WBO, he was waiting on a world title shot against Jeff Horn. let's have it right, he won the British title outright, he absolutely wiped up domestically, with ease, really, he was fantastic, he, he won that British title outright, dedicated it to Dean Powell, and, you know, he's moved on. He's thought, right, okay, world title was shot against Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn did not want no part of Bradley Skeet. He really didn't. He opted to fight Gary Corcoran. Um, in the meantime, Bradley Skeet thinks, you know what, I'm going to tick over, have a fight for the European title against this guy that no one's ever heard of with a padded record in Spain. Goes over there, gets cleaned out by Leharaga. Um, You know, it wasn't the Bradley Skeet that we know in the ring that night. Very hostile territory. And then he comes back, I think he fought one fight, um, knocked a guy out that had never been stopped. He was back. He was happy about that. And then he takes on this guy here. And I'm not gonna lie. You know, I didn't even try and get um, Bradley Skeet on the show because I thought this was not really a meaningful fight to talk about. And he gets cleaned out in the second round. And it wasn't with a body shot like the way that Leharaga was ripping to his body. And you know, it's quite clear to see Bradley Skeet's very, very slim. You know, if you hit him in the ribs, he's not gonna like it. Um, He's a tall guy, you know. He's a boxer. He's a boxer mover. And, you know... You know, it it all it all unraveled once again and this time it was it was by a shot on the chin. I think it was a looping left hook that Bradley Skeet saw coming and he tried to kind of move away from the shot and it just caught him on the sweet spot and he went down and it was I mean it was shocking. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then he got back up, he was very wobbly, he just about was allowed to carry on and I was really worried for him. I don't think there was too long left in the round, I could be mistaken. And the guy went looking for him and then they kind of started like clinching, and then the guy sort of threw Bradley Skeet like he wrestled him he kind of threw him to the side and Bradley Skeet just you know he didn't even take a punch he went into the corner like he kind of went head first into the corner um, you know where where the advertisement ball would be for, for Frank Warren and I don't think he even hit his head on it. He kind of just fell into the corner, and he was very shaky. And he had his back to the guy, and obviously the referee stopped it and said, right, you know, turn around. And he just couldn't turn around. And when he turned around, he was so shaky on his legs. He was absolutely gone, and the referee stopped it. I think it would, it, you know, he it, it, it could have ended up getting brutally knocked out, and I didn't want to see that. But equally, I don't want to see him lose to a guy like that. I don't know where he goes from here. Very gutting. It's very sad for me because him and Frankie, uh, not Frankie, I'm getting confused with Frankie Gavin. Him and Frank Buglione are two of the nicest guys in boxing. I can say that with all my heart, hand on heart. Anyone will tell you those guys are the nicest guys in boxing. And both men have been served up bad losses in a matter of weeks. Uh, Frank Buglione's decided to retire. I'm not quite sure what Bradley Skeet does from here. Like I say, he was really up there, You know, possibly going to be getting a massive, massive career-high payday. And he never got the world title shot, and now he's lost at European level and now he's lost at a level that he, you know, should should be way better than. So I'm absolutely guided for Skeet. I don't know what he does from here. Um yeah, moving up the bill once again. What did we see over here? We saw um Sonny Edwards. He moved to ten and oh. Perfect record there. He took on Junior Granados, a former opponent of Jamie Conlan. Granados now sixteen and six with one draw. It was for the vacant WBO International Super Flyweight title. It was a bit confusing on what belt was going to be on the line. I think Sonny Edwards was supposed to, you know, defend his uh his, his, his European title I thought at first but obviously this guy wasn't European so another belt ended up being brought in and fair play to Sonny for picking up the win here. Um... He was actually down himself in the second round, and he admitted afterwards that's the first time he's ever been down in sparring, in, in an amateur fight, ever. That was the first time he's ever been knocked down. Um, it was a flash knockdown, really. He got straight back up, and he went into southpaw straight away. The commentary didn't really pick up on it, but he did that to start landing a power jab, because his right hand, obviously his power hand, was closest to the target when in southpaw, and he was really popping out that power jab, and he was on the attack. I mean, he, he still kind of won the round despite being dropped, um, yeah, it was it was pretty smart work from Edwards, to be completely honest. He wanted to get up, he wanted to win the round despite the knockdown, and he even landed a couple of big shots towards the end at around the straight shots. Um, I think that he was a little bit too honest in the post-fight interview. He said he's not really ready for a world title fight at the moment. He's not world level, and that you know if he got hit like that by a world level fighter, then he wouldn't get up felt he was being a little bit too honest there but um, yeah I mean aside from that it was a minor little hiccup It, it was a little bit like the Andrew Selby and Christopher Rosales fight which Selby got dropped in the first round and got up to win everything from that point. It was a little bit similar here. Sonny got dropped in the second round and won everything aside from that. You know that that little knockdown that we're gonna probably forget about, to be honest, in a in a few months' time. But uh, we mentioned Christopher Rosales. Obviously, we'll be talking about that in the preview part of the show where he takes on Sonny's brother. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, moving out now to the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London. One or two fights to mention over here. We saw John Joe Nevin pick up win number 11, a points win over eight rounds against Renardo Cahina, a man that's been on the road in the UK many, many times. His record now 14-56 and 56 with five draws. That was his 75th fight. Unbelievable stuff there. And also on the undercard, we saw heavyweight Nick Webb, 13-1. That one loss to Dave Allen. He got in there against Camille Sokolowski, 5-14 and 14 with two draws. Now, Sokolowski, I've said it time and time again, he's a lot better than his record would suggest. Um, he's been in there with David Price, etc. He's gave everyone a tough fight. I think he even fought Dillian White. And he got in there with Nick Webb, and I said it last week, that they both shared a bill in which they both got wins the other month. I think it was September, and it was on Nick Webb's birthday. He got a knockout win, and Sokolowski came and upset a prospect and got a knockout win, took his O. And the pair fought here, and Sokolowski, obviously, the, you know the opponent, the underdog, he managed to score a knockout In the third round, a vicious knockout. I think it was in the third round. Webb was down from a shot where basically they were both in the middle of the ring exchanging. And he got hit with a shot. It was hard to see from the angle that I got what shot he got hit with. And you know, his legs completely folded, he fell down, it was really big, he got back up, he was on wobbly legs, he went back to his corner, he was looking at, you know, looking at people outside the ring, I'm not quite sure if he knew where he was, and the referee said, right, continue boxing, and literally, Sokolowski just walked in, he walked forward, threw a looping left hook, caught Webb, and Webb was out for the count, and I'm hearing it was a brutal, brutal knockout, I mean, I've seen footage of it, but it was shocking, Um, I think he was down for quite a while, it was quite worrying, Um, but you know, all the very best to Nick Webby is a friend of the show, but he had a real nice-looking record until he bumped into Dave Allen. And, you know, to lose to Sokolowski, I'm not quite sure where you go from there. That is a humongous loss there. That's such an upset. I really can't put into words that is a huge upset. Um, Sokolowski, once again, proving you just can't overlook him. Uh, moving out now, though, to the final bill to mention, it happened at the Madison Square Garden, the MSG, in New York, USA. Let's start with the undercard here. We saw... Eve's Ulysses Jr. I actually um, missed his fight. I know that they, they televised it, but I, I didn't know that the fight card started as early as what it did. So I missed it. I went back and looked, and I saw that I think he dropped his man in the sixth round and seventh round. But just skimming through it, really. I didn't actually watch too much of it. So he moved to 17 wins. He's got that one questionable loss. A win here over Maximiliano Becerra, who's now 16-3 and three with two draws. That's a good win there for Eve's Ulysses. A very good fighter. Um, also on the bill, we saw Lamont Roach move to 18-0, and 0, still undefeated. He's got one minor blemish, which is a draw. Uh, he took on Alberto Mercado, who's 15-2 and two now with one draw. It was for the WBO International Super Featherweight title. A good win there, unanimously over 10 rounds for Lamont Roach. And now, for me, the fight of the night, actually. Ryan Garcia, he took on Braulio Rodriguez, 19-3. and three. Um... Obviously, the opponent for Garcia was a puncher. I think he had something like 17 knockouts from his 19 wins. Um, a first-round knockdown for Garcia, though. Um, the pair were actually holding each other. It was weird, because I've always thought about this in a boxing match. Two guys are holding each other. The referee doesn't call break. And Garcia just let go of him, step back, and then step back in with a big right hand. And, you know it it was it was smart stuff it landed just behind the ear actually and his man went down um you know, he got up. He was on unsteady legs, but he made it through that round. Both men had really quick hands, and when I analyzed it, Garcia finds real good angles. Man, I mean, he'll throw like three different shots from three different angles, and he's technically a real good fighter. People forget his extensive amateur career. Um, you know, in the in the next few rounds, I mean, his opponent would go on to showbo and stuff like that. I think he did the Ali shuffle once or twice. But Garcia won every round, and to be honest, he's a young guy. You know, he didn't get frustrated. He didn't get baited in, and then the knockout came in the fifth round and it was lovely when it came it was a great great shot and you know he kind of shut up like a uh, you know a brash and um and, and, you know, showman kind of opponent, which is the best thing to do if someone's showing off, is to knock them out. And um, he did that here, so a great win for Ryan Garcia, now 17-0, and very much a world-ranked fighter, and the ladies' favourite, they call him. Also on the bill, we saw Saddam Ali move to 27-2, and a win over Maurizio Herrera, who's now 24-8, and unanimously over 10 rounds this one gotta be honest, it was on, but it was so boring I completely zoned out um, a 10 round unanimous decision there for Ali, he obviously was a world champion at 154, but he's back down at 147, also on the bill, Katie Taylor moved to 12-0, and 0. she successfully defended her IBF and WBA world female lightweight titles against Eva Wallstrom who was undefeated 22-0 and 0 with one draw, Katie Taylor won every round really, um, a beat down really she put on Wallstrom, I think the pair have had one or two fights in the amateurs Um, Wallstrom was actually coming up a weight and she didn't have too much notice, so... You know, you can't really read too much into that. Also on the bill, moving up once again on what was a great card, by the way. Lots and lots of good names on it. Not the best fights on TV, but some great, great names. Tevin Farmer picked up another defense of his IBF World Super Featherweight title. He took on Francisco Fonseca, Ayaz. Um, Fonseca now 22-2 and two with one draw. His two losses have come to two men that absolutely hate each other and it is the fight we want to see. Um, obviously, Farmer won here unanimously over 12 rounds. He couldn't stop. Fonseca. Um, It looked like at many points that he was going to be able to stop him, but he didn't get the stoppage in the end. I wasn't too surprised with that. Um, Fonseca's other loss came by a knockout to Javante Davies on the Mayweather versus McGregor undercard. Tevin Farmer, though, pretty much won every round. He did take quite a few decent shots towards the end, but... um, Nothing too too problematic, really. Tevin Farmer now twenty eight and four with one draw, and the main event now, as I'm going to throw it to you now because I've been talking away. Rocky Fielding twenty seven and one took on Saul Canelo Alvarez fifty and one with two draws. It was for Rocky's WBA World Super Middleweight Title. Fielding was down once in the first, once in the second, and twice in the third and final round. Talk to me.
2: I mean, uh, all I got to say is um, well done for Rocky Fielding. Four years ago, when he fought um, Callum Smith, he was knocked out. No one, um, he only won, he won the British title. Everyone doubted him, saying, "Yeah, he's not going to win a world title." He went to um, Germany, and he was the, he was not the favorite to win the fight against Tyrone He's topped Tyron Zorga. Five months down the line, he's topped the bill at Madison Square Garden against one of the pound-for-pound fighters, in my opinion, which is Saul Canelo Alvarez. Obviously, fighting someone like Canelo Alvarez, Rocky Field is much bigger than Canelo. You can see by the size difference. Obviously, Canelo. He likes to hit him with people would have with his body shots. like in the first round, he knocked Rocky Fielding down. The second round, knocked him down. The third round, knocked him down. Fielding did try to trade down, trade with Canelo, but obviously Canelo still broken down. And in the third round, obviously Fielding got stopped. Um, obviously, and and I think what's gonna happen now. I think personally, Canelo is gonna vacate that title. Um, that's what I think is gonna happen. And we'll fulfill where Fielding goes from here. I mean, there's big. There's still. I mean, there is still big fights for him. I think a James DeGale fight would be. Uh, James DeGale fight would be very good. But obviously, that might not even happen. because James DeSantis, James DeGale could fight Chris Eubank Jr. Now, Canelo saying that he wants a fight, uh, the third fight um, with Triple G. I think personally, I wouldn't go for the third fight now. I think I'll go for the Danny Jacobs fight, Danny Jacobs, and in September fight Canelo, uh, fight Triple G one more time. But we shall see what happens now. I mean, it's exciting times of boxing, obviously, super middleweight. But a fight that like I like to see, I like to see happen, is Andre Ward come out retirement fight Canelo. I think Andre Ward will still beat him.
1: Nah, man, he wouldn't make. He wouldn't make super middleweight, ass uh, After being out for so long, I mean, he retired at, at light heavy, didn't he? Um, you know, he's he's not gonna make super middle. And even then, you know, we we saw the other night. Even you said it there. I think Canelo's gonna probably go back down to one sixty. Um, one thing that we or I forgot to mention was that we all did a prediction on the Edwards fight against um, against Granados. Um, the listeners actually went with Granados to win by knockout. I mean, they were probably licking their lips in the second round, but no, it wasn't to be. It ended up being an Edwards points win. Myself and I as gained a point there. Um, and just before I get on to the actual fight here, Rocky and Canelo, I mean, we all went with Canelo to win by knockout. So for me, I've gained four out of four. I really am doing so well lately. I can't believe it. Um, people are going to probably think I'm lying. Go back and listen. I'm telling you, I don't cheat. Unlike Ayaz in the early days, I think he was frying a few, uh, a few dodgy, a few dodgy last minute changes um, in, in the scores. Um, we've got. Three points for you, Ayaz. The only one that you got wrong was Ramirez to win by a knockout. And then the listeners actually got two out of four. So that means, Ayaz, you've caught up the listeners. You're both tied once again. You've you've come from, uh, from last place into joint second. But yeah, the fight itself, I mean, that first round... Uh, when when Rocky Fielding got knocked down. I said it last week. I said he'd probably get stopped on a body shot. Um, I mean, Rocky did take a knee. It was a left hook to the body there. Uh, Canelo viciously attacked the body in that first round. It was a 10-8 round, but Fielding just looked completely out of his depth straight away. It was sad to see. The shots that he did throw, he wasn't even really turning them over properly in that first round. He looked like he froze a bit. He looked like the occasion got to him. In the second round, to be honest, Rocky actually did land a couple of nice shots finally. Um, You know, he made so many mistakes. So he would just voluntarily go back and lay on the ropes and become a target for Canelo. He wasn't using his feet. He wasn't moving around. He wasn't using his size. He wasn't using his reach or his distance. And Canelo was just walking him down and pushing him back. And with 25 seconds to go, Rocky once again took a knee from a body shot. So 20-16 on the scorecards after two rounds. And then in the third round, it was another fairly competitive round until Rocky got caught with a right hook to the jaw. Down he went. He wasn't too badly hurt. The referee said, one more, and that's it and then when the action continued, it took Canelo about five seconds to land another nice body shot, and Fielding took another knee, and that was it for him. Um, You know, like I say, I hope he got well paid. I'm sure he did. It's probably a career-high payday for him, but the title is gone. He's no longer a world champion. He's no longer really a target, Um, and, you know, it was a very, very short reign, but he is in the record books if you consider the regular world title to be a proper world title. You said, where does he go from here, Ayaz, and I've got to be honest, um, I wasn't too sure, but you brought up the James DeGaulle fight. You know, if the, if the Chris Eubank Jr. fight doesn't happen, I'd actually like to see that. James DeGaulle, Rocky Fielding, I think that's a great fight. I really do. But yeah, I'm not quite sure where he goes if he doesn't get one of those guys. I'm not really interested in a Callum Smith rematch. I don't think there's any point in that. Um, if he doesn't fight, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here, guys. If he doesn't fight Eubank Jr. or he doesn't fight James DeGaulle, where does he go?
2: That's a very tough one.
1: I mean... I'm I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit
2: there. Obviously, there is one other fight. Anthony Durrell's going to be fighting for WBC Belt, is that correct?
1: I'm not too sure, I've got to be honest.
2: There's a rumour that he could be fighting for that. Now, obviously, if Anthony Durrell does win it...
1: Then that's a fight for him.
2: Then that's a fight for him there. Yeah. And I think Rocky Fielding will beat him.
1: Okay. Yeah I mean yeah I mean it's it's not it's a winnable fight for him for sure um but yeah he he's a, he's in a bit of a a bit of a strange place from world champion to you know to 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 not much I mean you know there's big there's there's a big fight the, the, the main fight for him is is the winner of Ubank junior and James DeGaulle. or not even just the winner but if he just gate crashes that and fights one of them then you know that's a big fight for him but other than that I think he's going to struggle um I tell you what, when Zach Parker is healed up, I think he would definitely take the fight against Rocky Fielding. Um, But yeah, it is what it is. That is the end of the review part. We've gone over everything there. Uh, Just before we wrap up part one, there is one last thing to do. You know what it is. It's to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former heavyweight world title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Dominic Brazil. Dominic, welcome back on the show, my friend. It's been a little while.
3: Yeah, it's been a while. Thank you, Joey, for having me. It's
1: my pleasure, Dom. So we last spoke back in October of last year. It's been quite a while. Um, It was before the the Eric Molina fight, which was obviously your last fight. You went on to beat Molina comfortably over eight rounds until he decided to retire on his stall and not come out for round nine. Um, Was that fight easier or tougher, Dom? I know it's in the past now, but was it easier or tougher than you imagined it would be going into it?
3: Um, I think it was kind of in the in between. Uh, there were some things he did that I wasn't expecting. Uh, his movement as a heavyweight was a lot better than most heavyweights, um, but I wouldn't say it was tougher, and I also wouldn't say it was easier. Um, I had my, my work cut out for me. I was able to get the job done a lot sooner than I thought I was going to, um, and because of it, I, you know, I used it as a learning experience and moved on to become the WBC mandatory.
1: And you mentioned there about being the WBC mandatory. I mean, there was some confusion um, surrounding that fight because we were kind of hearing things from Eddie Hearn over here saying one thing about Dillian White being number one ranked and this and that. Um, I'm I'm probably not doing a great job of clearing the situation up. Could you please explain it in your words? Uh, You know, obviously coming from the horse's mouth, so to speak. What was the situation there?
3: Yeah, definitely. I was uh, I was told by the uh, president WBC uh, uh, Mauricio that uh, I was fighting Eric Molina for the WBC mandatory um, that night in November. Um, I, I do understand that Dylan White has fought for the WBC Silver Heavyweight Belt, but um, the WBC mandatory and the WBC Silver Heavyweight Belt is uh, are two different things. Um, therefore, you know I was honored honored to represent the USA and, and be awarded that WBC mandatory. Um, I know I know people have said that me and Dylan White need to get this fight on and. That's something that I'm not opposed to. I know we tried to work it out earlier part of this year. Um, It's something we can probably still work out, seeing the fact that uh, uh, um, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury might be fighting again. Um, But Dylan White's got his fight, I think, this Saturday against Jasore. I've got my fight against Carlson Gron. And, um, you know, may may, may the best man win each fight and, and, and move on from there.
1: And Speaking of Deontay Wilder, in the build-up to the Wilder vs. Fury fight, um, PBC asked 22 different fighters their opinion on the fight. 21 of them picked Wilder to win. You were the only one to pick Fury to win. It ended up obviously being a draw, pretty controversial in many people's eyes. Who did you think won the fight, um, Dominic?
3: I, I picked uh, Tyson Fury to win it in the beginning, and I still thought, it, you know, sitting there in person December 1st, watching the fight every round, scoring every round, Watching the knockdowns, um, I still believe that Tyson Fury won the fight. On the same time, um, I kind of I kind of go with the judges on the draw. You know, you never want to see a belt change hands to a, an opponent who's been knocked down twice in a heavyweight title fight. Um, just kind of hard. It's kind of hard for the sport. But on cards, on points, decision-wise, Tyson Fury won that fight.
1: Okay, but it was close enough to not really be called a robbery, you mean?
3: Yes, yeah, definitely was close enough to not be called a, a robbery, of course. Okay.
1: Okay, fair enough. And let's talk about this fight for you here. Um I'm coming up on Saturday in New York. Dominic, your opponent Carlos Negroni holds a record of 20 and 1. Um what do you know about this guy? I've tried to look at some of his footage and I can't really see too much about him.
3: Yeah, that is one thing I've realized. Uh, Carlos Negroni's a hard guy to locate, He's hard, hard to find. I've been trying to find some film as well. Got a couple things out there on him um I understand that he's six six, about two thirty. Um, he's got a you know great amateur pedigree because he represented the Puerto Rican Olympic team in 2008. Um, he brings a you know he brings a record twenty and one. Um I understand, he's he's doing all the right things and, and beating all the right people. Um, at one point, he was a WBC Continental Americas champ. I think he beat Derek Rossi in his last fight for that. Um, I also I've also you know obtained that title back in uh, I believe January of 2016. Um, so you know he's he's uh, he's doing he's doing the right steps, um, but at the same time I believe he's in for one of the toughest fights of his life. I don't think he's ever fought anybody with my type uh, caliber of experience, nor is he ever fighting on a big show like he's gonna fight on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. And obviously, his only loss came seven years ago. He's coming off a few nice wins. You mentioned there, one over Derek Rossi. Um, the pair of you combined, you've got 39 wins and 33 by knockout. So I'm guessing this one certainly won't go to the final bell.
3: <laughs> no, 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 without, man. I'm always looking for that big knockout punch. Not my, I'm not searching for it, but when it comes, I'm, I'm pretty good about taking advantage of it. Um, and like you were saying, we, we've got some, some pretty good knockout ratios. Um, I, I currently am, uh, like you said, 19-1 with 17 KOs, and I plan on going for the eighteen KO on Saturday night.
1: And you're heavily favoured to win the bout, um, Dominic. Should you win, is there a plan in place at the moment for your next fight in, in 2019, or not just yet?
3: Uh, when, when I win Saturday night, there's not just a, a plan set involved. Uh, you know, we were planning on getting back in the ring in April of 2019, and that was to face of the WBC title holder, um, which right now currently is Deontay Waller, but it looks like they're in the talks of putting together a a part two uh, Wilder Fury situation, which is, you know, a little upsetting. But at the same time, uh, um, I'm looking forward to the spring. I'm going to stay busy uh, only because of the fact that, you know, you never know what's next. Um, And and if it's a title shot, by all means, I'm going to take advantage of that. Um, If it's just another another fight to stay busy, then I'll, I'll be ready for that as well.
1: Yeah, no, I I like the way you answer that question because everyone wants to see this Wilder Fury rematch, but for for you, I mean, it's it's a bit annoying having to kind of wait again. One question I want to throw your way, Dominic, and it's an interesting question. Um, You know, if you can, for one minute, kind of take yourself out of the equation so that you're not so much waiting for these guys, but if it was up to you, stylistically, what fight would you like to see most if I throw three names at you? Wilder, um, Joshua and Tyson Fury if those guys if only two of them could fight each other next which fight would you like to see?
3: I mean I, I think I'm going to go with the rest of the world and go with the Joshua Wilder fight uh, only because Joshua's proven that he's one of the best heavyweights in the world right now currently holding what is it three or four belts um, he's, he's fought some of the best opposition out there in the heavyweight game and Wilder on the other hand is, is just starting to prove himself um, he barely got by the skin of his teeth retaining his belt on a draw against Fury um, Ortiz had him hurt a couple times. He's, he's been in some fights with some higher end caliber guys, and he's been hurt and he's been rattled. Um, so I'd love to see you know, the two of those face off against each other, and you know see who who becomes victorious. Um, I think and not to put Fury down, uh, but it's it's one of those situations when one title holder faces another title holder. I mean the world can come to a stop, and everybody's gonna watch. Because at at the end of it, there's gonna be an undisputed heavyweight champ.
1: Yeah, very true. And coming down to the final couple questions, Dominic, a few hours before your fight um, on Saturday, you did mention over here in the UK, we'll see the rematch between Dillian White and Derek Chisora. The first one could have gone either way. It was a very good fight. I'm not sure if you if you watched it. Um, Who do you expect to win this one, by the way?
3: Um, I think Dillian White makes the adjustments. I know it was a close one the first time. Uh, Chisora's a great fighter, not taking anything from him, but Dillian White's made uh, some adjustments before in the past, and uh, I think he's going to do so the same on, on Saturday night. Um, I don't think Gillian White's camp would have let him get involved in a fight they don't think he can win Um, the first time I don't think they were expecting Chisora to do what he did Uh, but this time around they're going to make some adjustments and and definitely win that fight
1: and it is the month of December everybody that we interview in the month of December it's a bit of a tradition we like to ask what is on your Christmas wish list in terms of your boxing career this time next year um, where do you want to be where can you be in a realistic world this time uh, 2019
3: This time next year, uh, on my Christmas list, and one of the biggest things yet is is, uh, I want to be, um, if not fighting for the WBCA title, defending the WBC title. Um, It shouldn't take any much longer than maybe this spring, if not this past summer that's coming up in 2019, for me to get a shot at the WBC title. Um, And when I do, the first person I want to bring to his attention is Joshua. He's my only professional loss. Um, It's time for, you know, to get a vengeance. So if he gets wilder before me, then, you know, so be it. But um, it, it's it's been my drive since I lost that Joshua fight to get my own belt, and the only one that he doesn't retain is the WBC title. I'm next in line for it. To get the WBC title, mean, everything. Because then I can say, hey, Joshua, listen, man, we got to square off, and now we have to do it now because I've got the belt you want.
1: That would really be something. I wish you all the very best with that. I mean, like I say, to come back from the Joshua loss and to get in the position that you've got into, it's amazing, man. I'm really I'm really proud about that. Um, and, and finally, just before I let you go, Dominic, have you got any kind of closing words to the UK listeners over here, the guys that support you and follow you over here? What's your message to those guys? Uh,
3: you know what, to the UK fans, and of course the fans around the world, um, i got to thank you for the support. Uh, I've had a great UK following Since the Joshua fight, before the Joshua fight, and and currently, um, you know, if they can tune in on on Fox, not to miss it. uh, PBC on Fox is going to be great. Uh, I'm going to try to still the show with a big knockout come, you know, come this Saturday. And uh, hopefully, you know, everything goes right and I I get my shot at the WC title. If not, maybe maybe me and you you guys' boy uh, Dylan White get it going.
1: Hey, that really would be something. It really would. But listen, Dominic, I'd like to thank you so much once again for your time. Best of luck for Saturday. Have a fantastic Christmas. Have a very, very happy and, and, and great new year, and we shall catch up at some point in the early part of 2019, I hope.
3: Oh, I truly appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time, and thanks for having me on again. God bless. Merry Christmas.
1: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. as, what have you got for us?
2: Right, Sam Bowen will face Ronnie Clark on February the 23rd.
1: Yes, that one to take place in Leicester. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's been rescheduled. My brain's all over the place at the moment, but literally, um, I think it was supposed to happen the other week um, at the Brentwood Centre. If I'm not mistaken, I really could be wrong, but I think it's been rescheduled. So uh, it's brilliant that that has been rescheduled because it's a tough fight. I mean, Ronnie Clark... You know, <laughs> for all the you know the crazy hair and the you know the crazy antics in the ring, he really can fight. And um, yeah, it's coming back to me now. I think he was actually supposed to get a fight against Sam Bowen, and the money that he was going to get paid, he was going to you know spend on his kids for Christmas. And he actually had to auction on eBay his IBF European title that he won against Zelfa Barrett. He had to put that on eBay and uh, and and try and. You know, make some money so that he can buy Christmas presents for his kids, which is extremely sad. But anyway, the fight has been rescheduled and it's a great fight because, like I say, he can give anyone a fight. And uh, he's much more than just crazy hairstyles.
2: Um, Dimitris Andrade will make his first defense of his WBO title against Arta Akobov on January the 18th.
1: And just to give the listeners a little bit of a backstory, Artur Akovov is the guy that Billy Joe Saunders fought in Scotland and looked really poor against when Ben Davison was in his corner. So, um, yeah, akovov gave Billy Joe a real tough fight. Some people think akovov actually did enough to get the win that night on points, but he obviously lost on points. But, yeah, um you know he's not a big name. He's he's not got a fantastic style. He's not very fan friendly, and I'd expect Demetrius Andrade to have too much for him really come January the 18th.
2: And finally, with Min- Willie Munro testing positive for a banned substance, uh, Matt Korobov will instead face Jamal Charlo
1: yeah that one happening um this Saturday. We will get onto that in the preview part of the show, but yeah Willie Monroe jr out of the fight. It's a real shame he was on a couple of weeks ago, and um you know he had he had he had a you know a fantastic camp and everything, and it was really great talking to him. He's a man that's gone through so many ups and downs, and I can't quite believe it i mean obviously the w b c have you know have ruled him out of the fight, so I'm not quite sure what's gone on but um Yeah, it's all a bit confusing at the moment with Varda and this and that, and you know, he's not fighting, but it's a great shame because it's another, it's another, um, you know, another negative piece of his career, really. You know, he's he's had so many ups and downs, and it was looking real good for him. And I actually thought he had a decent ish chance to give Charlo a good fight, but, um, yeah, it wasn't to be an in steps above a man that we've seen before. We saw him obviously get iced by Andy Lee when they fought. But yeah, um, you know, decent, decent replacement, really. And that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. Let's start the preview part of the show in New South Wales, Australia, at the Emporio Function Centre in a place called Bankstown. One fight really to mention over here, we've got Luke Jackson, former opponent of Carl Frampton, on a Carl Frampton fight week. 16-1, and he's in an eight-rounder against Rivo Renkung, who's got a record of 37-28 and with six draws. Also on the undercard, Yusuf Dibb, I believe a relative of Billy Dibb. His record 10-0, and he takes on time. Gilchrist who is 6 and 7 with one draw Uh, moving out now to Poland we've got a fight or two to mention over here we've got um, this one's at the Mosier Hall in Radom we've got Robert Par Zewski, I think his name is, 21-1. He puts his Republic of Poland light heavyweight title on the line against Southport Daria Sek, former opponent of Anthony Yard, 28-4 with three draws. That's a 10-rounder there. Also on the undercard, we've got Adam Bowski, the undefeated prospect, 12-0. and He's in an eight-rounder against Sergei Radchenko, who's 7-2. and two. And finally, the, the rematch. It was supposed to happen about... I think it was about four or five weeks ago. Um, Damien Jonak, 41-0 with one draw. Still undefeated. The most padded record ever. Uh, he takes on Andrew Robinson, our very own. Bit of a warrior. Had a great fight against Frank Buglioni, 21-4 and with one draw. Um, I'd like to see how good this guy, Damien Jonak, is. Because it will be a war, I'd imagine. Because um, a- Andrew Robinson can seriously fight, and he's a tough guy. So it'd be interesting to see the level of Jonak, who's got such a brilliant-looking record. But he's so, so padded. He's forever warm because he's so padded. Um, Moving out now to Manchester in Lancashire, United Kingdom. This one is one of the two pay-per-view cards this weekend. Um, Yeah, let's start with the undercard here. It really is a stacked undercard. Paddy Barnes, 5-1. and His opponent yet to be announced. Also on the bill, we've got Michael Conlan in a step up against Jason Cunningham. That's a cracking fight, by the way. Cunningham 24-5, Conlan 9-0. We've also got Martin Murray, 37-4 with one draw. He takes on Hassan and Dam, 36-3. Brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, this is very much two fringe world level fighters fighting for a chance to, you know, to to really probably get a, a world title fight at the end of it. Um We've gone to the predictions on this. I as Martin Murray Hassan and Dam brilliant, brilliant fight. I'm gonna go with Martin
2: Murray to win via points.
1: Martin Murray on points, interesting. Okay, uh, the listeners have gone with Hassan and Dam to win on points, and I'm gonna go with with the same. Really, I think the problem with Hassan and Dam, I think he's a real good boxer. The only problem is, I don't think he's got the best chin, and I don't really see Murray having the power to. ...really test his chin. I think Murray's also really at the last stage of his career now. I think um, he's he's there for the taking a little bit. Hassan and Dam in a similar boat. I don't think he's, he's freshest, but I think he's got a lot more to offer, really. And I think he's the all-round better fighter. So I'm going to go with Hassan and Dam, friend of the show, to win that one there. Um... Also on the bill, we have the debut of Tommy Fury, the brother of Tyson. I remember Tommy. I remember being in, being, being in a dressing room for Huey Fury's fight. I remember being with Tommy. And this guy, I think he was 16 at the time. And he, he he just looks exactly what he looks like now. I mean, he's got such a baby face. Um, You know, 16 years old. I remember the size of his hands, the size of his shoes that he was wearing. He's He's a big, big, big guy. He's not necessarily tall like Tyson, but he's real big. He's filled out... And, um, you know, he's got one of those faces, all the Furies have got the face where they look a lot older than what they are. Uh, You know, Huey Fury, I mean, pictures of him when he's 19, he looks about 37. Um, Tyson as well, you know, even he looks a lot older than, than 29 or 30, whatever he is. Uh, but that that runs in the family but anyway Tommy Fury takes on a guy who's had over 110 fights his record is 10 wins 102 losses and 3 draws that is quite something that's a 4 rounder there also on the bill we've got Jack Massey the undefeated prospect 14 and 0 he's in a 6 rounder against Jerry Sfassina who's 13 and 32 we've got Lyndon Arthur 12 and 0 takes on Emmanuel Fazou 10 and 9 with 2 draws I think Emmanuel Fazou fought Frank Buglioni the fight before Frank Buglioni's final fight. Um, we've got Nathan Gorman, 14-0, and 0, supposed to take on Alex Leopay, but he takes on Razvan Kajanu, 16-4, and 4, who was supposed to fight Daniel Dubois last weekend, but obviously Dubois pulled out with a flu, so in-step Kajanu... Um you know, Kajanu's last two fights, like we say, um, he's been in there with the likes of Luis Ortiz and the likes of Joseph Parker. He took Parker the distance, but he didn't take Ortiz the distance. I think he got knocked out in two rounds. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's, a, it's a step up again for Gorman, I guess, You know, so it's a brilliant fight for him. I think I probably fancied the... Alex Leopie fight a little bit better. I think it's more exciting. I think Leopie is probably a little bit better than Kajanu. But Kajanu's sparred some tough guys over the years. Like I say, he took Park at a distance. If Gorman can do it in the distance, then it's a bit of a statement. It would have been the same for Daniel Dubois if he was able to do it. Um, but yeah, it's a good fight. It's another step up, really, for Gorman. And it's a decent one, I guess. Um Yeah, it's a very decent step
2: up for Gorman. I mean, but I think Gorman would take him out. I think Gorman's a very good fight. Obviously, Ricky hadn't been Getting yeah, trained by Ricky Hans. So I think Gorman's going to stop him, and I think it'll be a good fight
1: and also a friend of the show he was on last week Liam Williams 18-2 with one draw obviously he's moved up now to 160 to middleweight he takes on the undefeated 21-0 prospect Mark Heffron it's for the vacant British middleweight title can Liam Williams be a British champion at two weights we'll have to wait and see he's actually the underdog by the way against Heffron Heffron obviously a big puncher and Liam Williams fought his brother and made his brother retire on his stall so he, um, Heffron trying to get revenge for his brother but Liam Williams told me last week he's expecting to probably stop him late so uh, could be a very interesting fight that one, a lot of people saying that's going to be fight of the night Um, there's many fights of the night, like I say two cards in the UK, really big ones both on pay per view, it is a great shame who do you favour in that one I as we've gone to the predictions once again Mark Heffron, Liam Williams
2: I'm going to go Liam Williams by knockout
1: Liam Williams by knockout, Okay. I can't disagree. I'm going to go with Liam Williams um, on points. And the listeners I know have gone with Liam Williams also. Let me just confirm, they've gone with Williams by knockout as well. So um, you're not on your own there, Ayaz. Moving up the bill for the final time. This is the final fight to mention on this bill. We've got Carl Frampton challenging Josh Warrington. Uh, Let's start with Warrington's record here. I'm going to start with that. Josh Warrington twenty seven and oh his first defence of his IBF world featherweight crown he takes on Carl Frampton twenty six and one it's a great fight I has really I mean obviously. Frampton coming off a couple of decent wins now. The Luke Jackson win was a good win. The win against Donaire, I think he was brilliant in. But Josh Warrington coming off a better win than all of that. The way he dissected Lee Selby, um, the way he beat Lee Selby up. I know Lee Selby was weight drains and all that, but no one gave him a chance in that fight. He's pulled off a massive upset there, and he's still undefeated. I think you know there's something about Warrington. He's got the hunger. He's got the drive. Not necessarily the superior boxing skills, but you cannot count him out.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's true what you said, Joe. When Josh Roenton fought um, Lee Selby, everyone wrote everyone him off. Everyone, everyone believed that he wasn't ready for the fight. Everyone believed that he's not a world title level. He's just a European level. But he's accomplished that. He's wanted, He's accomplished his dream. He fought Ellen Road, beat Lee Selby. Now, got a big fight against a two-weight world champion, which is Carl Frampton. Obviously, Carl Frampton's beat Lou Jackson. He's fought Nino Dene. He's fought uh, Santa Cruz in the past. I personally think I'm going to go with a Frampton win on Frampton win. And I think Frampton's going to stop him. I think Frampton's gonna make a big statement because I think 'cause cause now that Frank Ron's um shown that partnered up with with top ranking ESPN and the fight's been shown live in America, I think they're gearing up. Should Frampton win this fight, I think he's gonna fight Oscar Valdez next. So I think Frampton's gonna make a huge statement in this fight, and I think he's gonna win win.
1: And that's what I likes to do. He likes to look into the future. That that very much could be possible. I really think that could be possible. The thing about this is I think the last the last Half of the fight, the second half of the fight, I think is going to be very interesting because, you know, Carl Frampton can't afford to gas late on. Um, I think the first few rounds, I think Carl Frampton's going to be showing his boxing skills. He's going to be using his distance well. I think he's going to do really well. I think we're going to see a bit of a boxing clinic from uh, Carl Frampton for the first few rounds. Josh Warrington, by the way, can't afford to really lose those rounds because he can't bank on stopping Carl Frampton. I'm not quite sure that he's got the power to do that. He needs to start fast as well. Both men really need to start fast, but... um The first rounds will be quite important, but I think the the last few rounds will be quite interesting. So, yeah, Warrington can't let Frampton get in a groove. Frampton can't let Warrington overwhelm him. Um, And, you know, he cannot afford to gas late on because that is where he could really come unstuck. We know that um, Warrington's got a fantastic engine. Um, It's just simply down to how good Frampton is. We know what we get with Warrington, but Frampton needs to be on point because the thing about Warrington, for how much you might say he's not as good of a boxer... You know, he's got that work rate, he's got that engine, and he will come on strong late on in the fight if Frampton slips. So an interesting fight, but I just think Frampton's gonna be too clean of a boxer. I think he's too smart, he's got the experience that Warrington doesn't have, he's been a world champion before. You know, I think he's got the wins under his belt. I think, like I say, he's got the experience, and for me, I think he's gonna beat him. On points, I'm going to predict on points. I don't really see Warrington being stopped. He hasn't really shown any vulnerabilities. And I don't think that Frampton's going to be the one pressing the action. I think he's very much going to sit back, try and counter, you know, use his distance, like I say, and work off the back foot at most of the points in the fight. But Warrington has to kind of force the fight and press his man back and put the pressure on him. We know that he can be a pressure fighter. So, yeah, for me... Um, it could be interesting late on, like I say, but I think Frampton's going to probably win, um, quite handily on points, but I could be wrong. Like I say, you cannot write Josh Warrington off. Um... The listeners have gone with Frampton on points also, but you've gone with the knockout. I as very ballsy of you. Uh, moving out now to the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. The other pay-per-view show, Eddie Hearn's matchroom boxing card. We have over here Josh Buatzi, 8-0. and He puts his WBA international light heavyweight title on the line against former Chris Eubank Jr. opponent, Reynold Quinlan. Uh, I think Eubank got him out of there. I think it was in the 9th or 10th round of a 12-rounder. So, um, if Boazzi does it quicker, then the measuring stick comes out for that. Um, we have Christopher Rosales, 28-3, defending his WBC World Flyweight title against Charlie Edwards. Um, you know, Christopher Rosales, as we know quite a bit about him, strangely. We don't know too much about many fighters from Nicaragua. But this guy's been over here. I think this is going to be the fourth time he's come over here. He fought Cal Yafai, He lost to him. He fought Andrew Selby. He dropped him, but he lost to him on points. He fought Paddy Barnes. I don't think that one was in the UK. I think it might have been Northern Ireland. But anyway, he, he obviously beat Paddy Barnes. He stopped him. And now he comes over here against Charlie Edwards, a very good boxer. But a man who hasn't made the flyweight limit for quite a while now um you know could he be dry at the weight we're yet to see i think uh edwards is certainly the more the you know the better boxer the more superior boxing skills lie with him but the power unquestionably is with rosales how do you see the fight playing out we're going to the predictions on this also my friend
2: um i follow charlie edwards on instagram and i i mean he looks in very he looks in fantastic shape
1: he always is to be fair
2: i mean he looks very fantastic shape. obviously as, we, as we've interviewed him previously before, myself m- and you, Joey. Um, he's a very nice person. Obviously, we've seen Christopher Rosales lose to Kawi Fire, like you said. Uh, Andrew Selby, he's he's beaten Paddy Bond. I think Charlie Edwards, I think he's going to step up. Because obviously, he's fought previously for world title, which is Ankara, for uh, which he was a two-way world champion. Ankara, oh, he, is-
1: fought, he fought um, John Real Casemiro, didn't he, on the Brooklyn yes, American so, Ankara has so, fought Jamie Conlon.
2: Yeah, J- Casemiro. And obviously, yeah, they're
1: both Filipinos.
2: Yeah, and what it was, he's learned from that a lot from that fight. Obviously, when you fight for a world title and you lose to that, you 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 gain a lot of experience. And I personally think he's gained a lot of experience from that, and I think that obviously now he's fighting Christopher Rosales. I think I personally think he's gonna win. I think he's gonna win on points.
1: Edwards on points, and I agree with you, Ayaz. It is very much a wishful prediction as well, though. The listeners have gone with Rosales to win by knockout. 60% of of voters going with that. Um, yeah, I mean, that that could happen. Um, Charlie is very, very confident. Obviously, we had him on the show talking about the fight a few weeks back. You know, it's it's a tough fight, like I say. Many people that share the ring with Rosales do get a taste of his power. It's just... Are you smart enough to stay away from it and to not get caught with anything clean? Um, I think Charlie's got the ring IQ. I think Charlie's a, a real good boxer. Um, he needs to just box and move. He needs to put on a boxing clinic, which he's very much capable of doing. Um, if he does stand close or he does tire late on, because he might have crashed the weight, which I don't think he has done. But if any of that was to happen, he ends up getting caught clean. That is when you know it's going to be very dangerous for him. Um, you know he took the gallop very very early on in his career to try and become the quickest Englishman to win a world title, and you know he got stopped in that fight but He didn't disgrace himself that night. He's come back since then. It's been a bit frustrating for him, waiting around, waiting around. But he's, you know, he's looked really very, very good since then. I think he's matured. His man strength has arrived. And I think he's a force. I think he wins the fight. I really do. So I am absolutely pulling for him. A good friend of mine as well as, you know, a regular. Well, I say regular. He's not been on the podcast that much, actually. I always remind him when I see him. But, um, yeah, I think he wins a fight. And, of course, fingers and toes crossed for him to become the new WBC World flyweight champion. Also on the bill, we've got Ryan Walsh, 22 and two with two draws. We'd like to see the Isaac Lowe rematch, but it's not to be. Isaac Lowe fought on the Wilder Fury undercard, but in steps Reese Belotti, 13 and one. A step up for Belotti, really. I mean, he lost his belt recently earlier on this year, and he steps in here at British level. I think he lost his Commonwealth title, so you know this is this is quite an interesting step up, really. I don't think Walsh carries the power to bother Reese Belotti, which is a little bit. Um, to the time when Reese Pilotti lost his title, I keep forgetting the guy's name. He fought Ryan Doyle. That was his name. So yeah, I think um you know Ryan Doyle was a bit of a puncher. Even though again his record wouldn't suggest he's a big puncher, but I think this is an interesting fight. Balotti probably doesn't have the superior boxing skills. Ryan Walsh is good. He's battle tested. He's battle hardened. And I think Reese Balotti's going to probably have to put his power on Walsh pretty early. I think he could possibly stop Walsh. We'll have to see. But um, an interesting fight, an interesting clash of styles that one for the. British uh, featherweight crown which belongs to Walsh and the main event over here is the rematch Dillian White 24 and 1 taking on Derek Chisora 29 and 8 a rematch the first fight was well one of the best heavyweight fights we'd seen in years um, especially you know a non-title bout the first time round. You know, it was a very close fight the first time around as well. I as I remember having it pretty much. I think it was like a draw or maybe one round to Dillian White. It was extremely close. I really can't believe they're doing it again. I think Dillian White's crazy. He should just sit on his position and have an easy fight and wait for the winner of you know the winner of Fury Wilder. Should the rematch happen, or or perhaps wait around for the Joshua um, fight that's that's inevitable, really, to come for him. But he's deciding to put it all on the line again. I mean, we've got to appreciate it as fans. I mean, this year. And Dillian White deserves a mention. If he wins, he deserves a mention for one of the fighters of of, of 2018. I mean, I'm not talking about, he's not up there with Usyk and he's not going to win, but he deserves a mention because he would have, you know, he would have knocked out the undefeated Lucas Brown, beat Joseph Parker in a fight where he was able to drop him. Um, you know, and then if he wins this, then it's it's monumental this year, um, 2018 for Dillian White, and he really solidifies himself as one of the best in the world, whether you like it or not, at heavyweight. Um, which way do you see it going, though? as for me, I think I'm going to go with Dillian White on points, but I think it's another close fight. <laughs> it's a toss-up, really. Once again, uh,
2: first of all, let me uh, let me say. Um... Personally, I wouldn't have took this Chizora fight. Obviously, there was rumours of him fighting Luis Ortiz, but Luis Ortiz fought in the underbow of Tyson few. Now, that's a fight I would have liked to see: Dillian White versus Luis Ortiz, or someone like Dillian White versus Gerald Miller. Now, that's a fight I personally want personally wanted to see. Obviously, um, Chisora, the Chizora fight, the first one was brilliant. The second one, I want to see how it goes. Obviously, now that Chizora's linked up with David Haye, I want to see how he's going to how he's going to react because David Haye's training is completely different. And David Haye said that he's been doing helping him out with his nutrition and that. So that's going to, we're going to see a different Chisora here. But I personally think Dillian White is still... I'm going to go with a Dillian White to win on points, and I think, it'll be, I, think still be, I think it's going to be a cracking fight. But I think this will be completely different. I think we'll see a new Chisora. But like I said, Dillian White is going to win this on
1: points. Yeah, so you're agreeing with me I as the listeners are going with Dillian White to win by knockout. I can't really see that happening. Um, you know, both men have, 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 have got more miles on the clock now. And I think Chisora's got more miles on the clock since the, the first fight than Dillian White. I mean, Dillian White nearly got stopped in that, in that fight against Joseph Parker. But up until that, Joseph Parker didn't really do too much. Um, it was one-way traffic for the Brown fight. And Chisora, I think he's had two fights, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, since uh, since the Dillian White fight. Could be wrong. But those two fights, one of them was against Ajit Caballel in Monaco, in which he got completely outpointed. He you know, he lost easily. It was shocking, that version of Chisora. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was finished after that fight. And then he fought Takam, and he lost every single second of every single round. And then he come off the ropes when Takam was really... Um, you know, was really tired because literally Chisora stayed on the ropes. And it was a little bit Roper a dope ish He come off the ropes. <laughs> he hit he hit um, Takam with a big shot. Then Takam went down. And then, of course, he got back up and walked straight forward into the shot, which was just one of the silliest things I've ever seen a heavyweight boxer do. You know, he walked straight into another shot. And that was all she wrote. Um, it ended up being a brilliant win, which has actually catapulted him into this fight, really. Because, you know, Derek Chisora, you know, he, he's... he's he wasn't a big name after, you know, after losing to Caballero. I mean, no one was really interested. But yeah, he's, you know, they're they're saying he's rejuvenated. He's with David Hayes. He's now Derek Chisora. They've got all the new hats and T-shirts. I still don't think he's going to be able to beat Dillian White. I've heard that Dillian White's been firing on all cylinders in the gym as well, and um, I'm expecting him to win. But like I say, I don't think it's an easy task to to knock Derek Chisora out. I know that Joshua thinks that no one's knocking anyone out in this fight as well. I think he he, uh, he expects it to go points. And, um, yeah, I can't really see Dillian White stopping Chisora, but it will be interesting. Hopefully it will be something like the first fight because it will make for great viewing. But for me, I think Dillian White wins it. He's got the better boxing skill. He's got less miles on the clock. And, you know, he's, he's fresher. So, for me, I think he wins. Um... But, yeah, interesting fight nonetheless. And moving out to the final card to mention now, it's happening at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. Let's start with the undercard. We've got Effia Jagba, um, the heavyweight Olympian. He uh, has a record of 7-0. and oh, He's the guy that, you know, his opponent famously walked out of the ring when the first bell rang. It's him again. He gets in here with an opponent yet to be named. It's a six-round contest, though. We also have Rancis Barthelemy, 26-1, and one, former world champion. He's in a 10-rounder against Robert Frankel, Who's thirty-six and nineteen with one draw? We've also got Terrell Gouche twenty and one. Um, that one loss came to Erislandi Landy Lara for the world title. I remember having Terrell Gouche on the show. I think he's a former Olympian. He takes on Joey Hernandez twenty-seven and four with one draw. All the very best to Terrell Gouche. I think that's a ten rounder there. Um, I don't think Gouche's fought since the Eris Landy Lara fight. Could be wrong. Uh, Dominic Brazil, friend of the show, nineteen and one. He's in a ten rounder against Carlos Negron, who's twenty and. One Negron can punch, but that's about all he can do. I'm expecting Brazil to look pretty good in this fight here. Also, moving up the bill once again, um, two fights left to mention. Let's start with the with the with the Jamal Charlo, the, the heavier of the two twins, 27-0, puts his interim WBC world middleweight title on the line against Matt Korobov. As as you said earlier, it was supposed to be Willie Munro Jr. and you know that's. You know, whatever happens there has happened there, and Matt Korobov steps in. He's wanted a big fight for a long time. He hasn't really been in a big fight since losing to Andy Lee, um, which is actually four years ago this month. Seems like a lot shorter, you know, a lot shorter time than that, actually. Can't believe it's been that long. you know, since that Andy Lee fight, he's had four fights in the meantime. All four of them have gone the distance. Uh, he's not really a big puncher, to be honest. Matt Korobov, and he steps in against you know Charlo, that's looking absolutely fantastic. This is the Charlo that everyone says is the better of the two, and he's certainly the bigger puncher. I'm expecting him to get the win simply because you know he's he's been more active and he's fought better opposition lately. And Korobov has been very inactive. Like I say, one fight a year for the last four years—it's just not really good enough. And, and not only that. He hasn't even been in 12-round fights, the the most rounds he's done. In all those fights, they've all gone the distance, and they were eight-rounders, three of them, and one of them, the most recent one, was a six-rounder. Um, that was actually March of this year. Aside from that, he hadn't fought since November 2016. That was the last time he went eight rounds. So he's he's had one fight in two years, pretty much. It gets even worse the more you look at it. For me, it's a Jamal Charlo knockout. The listeners agree with that, Ayaz, and I'm guessing that you probably agree also.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I'm going to go by Jamal Tala Knockout.
1: And the main event here, I'm not quite sure it is the main event, but the way it's positioned, it looks to be. It's 31-0, Jamel Charlo, the little twin. Uh, he puts his WBC World Super Welterweight title on the line against Tony Harrison, friend of the show, 27-2. and Obviously, Tony Harrison had a great, great fight against Jarrett Hurd for the vacant IBF World title when, when Hurd was trying to become champion. And he was winning the fight until he ran out of gas and ended up getting stopped late on. I think it was about the eighth round, something like that. Um, Um, It's a good fight. I think Tony Harrison's, you know, he's a good boxer. And he can bang himself. Um, Jamel Charlo's not the brother with all the knockouts. I think he's got 15 knockouts from 31 wins. So when you think about that, you know, you've got to also remember that when you're coming up, you fight journeymen and stuff like that. You know, most of his fights have have gone the distance. So he's not a massive puncher. Although Tony Harrison in his two losses, both times he's been stopped. So that kind of wouldn't look great. Um... It's a tough fight, though. I wouldn't be surprised if it went the distance. Um, I think I think I am going to go with Jamel Charlo to win by knockout, but I think it's going to be late on if he does get it. And the listeners are also agreeing with that. How do you see it, Ayaz? I'm going to go by Jamel Charlo by knockout. So we're all with... have we're all with um, with both the Charlo twins to get knockouts. Um, I'm going with points for everything else aside from that. So, so yeah, three big bills, all very interesting ones on Saturday night. Um, it's it's going to be very very hard to allocate your time here, there, and everywhere for that one. But I'm going to leave it on this. I as just before we end the preview part of the show, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, you will be watching boxing on Saturday night. I know that for a fact. The options that you have. Um, in terms of the the UK times is Warrington and Frampton that card's pay per view, and also um, you, you've obviously got White and Chisora too. That one's pay per view. Which one will you be watching live?
2: I most likely be watching the Chisora Dillian White fight.
1: Oh man, I thought you were going to watch Warrington and uh, and Frampton. Don't you don't you see that card being a better one?
2: I think just the Chisora White rematch. That's what it is.
1: Okay, lucrative rematch. And also, like I say, or like we mentioned, Charlie Edwards fighting for a world title on that undercard. I will be in attendance at White Chisora. So uh, as soon as I get home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get, uh, you know, get, get something going because I need to catch up on the fights that I'd have missed. I don't want anyone in the venue to tell me what's going on at the other card. And then, of course, I think it's 2 in the morning or whatever, the other card starts. I'm not sure if it's going to be shown on UK TV, but I'll have to find it somewhere. Um, But yeah, that's really it for the preview part of the show. There's been lots and lots to go over. I know, I hope it hasn't dragged on. You've seen part one with the reviewing and the first guest. It's now the end of the preview part of the show. Just before we wrap up part two, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former two-time middleweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Hassan and Dam. Hassan, welcome back on the show, my friend. Yeah, how are you?
0: Everybody, uh, everyone. I'm very good. I'm very happy to to come back to you.
1: Excellent, man. It's great to have you back on the show, Hassan. We last spoke 18 months ago. It was actually just before um, your first fight with Moretta. Obviously, you went on to win the first fight by a split decision. You then had the rematch. Unfortunately, you lost there. Um, Since then, Moretta's defended his title against Rob Brandt, um, Hassan. And and before the fight, I actually thought he would beat Brandt quite easily. But obviously, Brandt was able to beat him quite clearly on points. Um, What did you make of that fight? Were you Surprised? Yeah. So the, after the fight,
0: it was it was a good plan for Rob Brand to to fight Morata like that because Morata is a tough fighter. But uh, we have to move. We will have to move to win to win Rob uh, Morata because Morata is only come, come forward and have a good pointer to the right hand. So. I think uh, Rob Bryant used the good the good technique, the good strategy to fight to beat that, to be in.
1: Yeah, it, it's true, it's true. And you yourself will be fighting Martin Murray this Saturday on the Frampton vs. Warrington undercard. Um, what do you know about Martin Murray as a fighter, Hassan?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, um, this is a good opportunity for me to come in the, the first place because uh, I was I I was Stay one year, not fight without fight, because it's the decision that i have take, taken to change all the all my staff, all my um, my, my my manager, and so we are working hard because it's a long time and we work worked for a long time. So now I want to fight a top fighter to come back in the high level. So that's why we before I supposed to fight new bank and the fight were confident, and done. Now I have the opportunity to fight uh, Martin Murray Saturday, so I am very excited for this fight. I'm working hard, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't say that. I don't give up about the fight they're working. So I'm working hard to be in the high level. Let's, let's go and let's give people the fight that they, they're waiting for.
1: And Hassan, like you say, you haven't fought. Um, come fight night, actually, it would have been 14 months to the day since your last fight. Uh, it's going to be the longest time that you've not boxed, the longest period of inactivity for you. Can that be a problem or not? You know, sometimes
0: uh, people in sport say uh, it's because I, I'm retired a long time. Because I don't have a competition long time, it's not matter for me. You know, when you know that you are a great sport, sport guys like, you know, a tennis guys like uh, Djokovic, when you stay four years and not, no, don't play, and when you come back and beat, beat everybody, that's a good, a, a, a good and um, and the real, the real professional uh, sportsman. So i think that that's not a problem for the real champion so when you come back really and you're working hard you you don't lose nothing so um the only thing is i will take my time because i'm working for 12 rounds i will take my time for one to three rounds to take the 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 sensation of the rain because it's a long time, like you say, I I've been been fight, but I have a good sparring partner, I have a good training, I have a good training camp, so I'm ready for your fight.
1: And whenever a big fight is happening, we like to ask you know a question to our listeners um, on the podcast. We asked our listeners, who is going to win this fight? Is Murray going to win? Is Hassan Indam going to win? And the listeners said Hassan Indam is going to win the fight. I'm sure you're happy about that. Our listeners, no boxing. <laughs> know, um, know boxing. I know
0: people who know boxing know and give their opinion. But you know, boxing is. Um, I'm happy. I'm, I'm so happy to to hear that because it pushed me, push my head and make me confident and more more confidence about things that thing that I think before. You know, because I know that I have good experience. Martin Murray too. I'm more more technical than him, but he more more uh, pushing for the for work. We have a heart. I have heart. So I think that it's gonna be a exciting fight. And I know that people who answered to you about your 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 question was the noise of boxing. The million people who know boxing know that uh, that fight gonna be for me. So I, I'm happy to hear that.
1: And who do you think, at the moment, Hassan, are the best fighters at middleweight? Because obviously, Canelo looks like he's moved up. I'm not sure if it's permanent, but he's moved up for the moment. You've still got Golovkin, you've got Daniel Jacobs, you've got Charlo, Andrade, Saunders. Who do you, you know, who do you think are the best? Maybe the best free. Well,
0: I think uh, today uh, Golovkin is the, the best, the best champion, the best middleweight champion for me. But uh, you know, we, we have a young guys who come in like Charlo and Andre, but they are a little bit positive and negative points in the boxing. But you have like the guys like Triple J who do best of all though the best. So for me, he's still, he's still the best middle world champion.
1: And a fight that has a big possibility of happening in 2019 is Callum Smith against Gennady Golovkin. I know that you've been around the Gallagher gym. You've probably sparred Callum in the past. How do you believe that fight would play out? I think uh, maybe, it can, uh, maybe it can happen. That, that, that fight can
0: happen because now I think everybody wants to move to 16, 168 because the opportunity... Yeah, so uh, now Canelo is a 168, Golovkin want to go to 168 to fight Callum Smith. So I think that's maybe going to be happen. So maybe why not? That's why I want to move to 168 to fight New banks too. So I think the opportunity is going to come to Super middleweight.
1: And on Saturday, on the same night of boxing as you, um, one of your rivals, Billy Joe Saunders, is fighting on the card. Last time you were on this podcast, I remember you um, you said that his boxing matches make you fall asleep sometimes. If you both win this fight, are you interested in fighting him at all in 2019? Or is there someone you'd rather fight? Is he not really on your hit list? You tell me. You know,
0: um, I, saw, I saw Billy Joe Sander yesterday and he come to, he come to me to, to, to say hello to me. And, you know, uh, he's a good guy, but he interests me when he has a WBO belt. Right now, he doesn't interest me anymore no because I want to fight somebody because he has a belt. Today, he's a WBC silver champion. Like, uh, like in Martin Murray, so uh, I encouraged me to fight him. But these scandals is not internationally normal. Only if he had some some bad. Okay, me.
1: okay, okay. And what is your prediction for this fight, Hassan? Do you see this fight going to points? You're both very tough guys, um, or do you see a stoppage between yourself and Murray?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, my position is, uh, I'm I, I working for 12 rounds. I'm ready for 12 rounds. And I will answer to him uh, with everything that he will give me, giving to me. I don't, I don't want to plan to knock him out. You know, my, my, my boxing is not a boxing to knock people out. When I grow up in the ring, I want to use all my heart, all the pleasure I want to enjoy and I think make people a pleasure, make people enjoy, that's why, that's all the thing I want to do tomorrow and
1: And the last two questions now Hassan everyone that we interview in December we like to ask what is on their Christmas wish list in terms of their boxing career, so I want to ask you Hassan what is on your wish list for, you know, to happen with your career in 2019 what can happen
0: um after this fight i want to be in the top of wbc and one fight the wbc champion of the world in 2019 that's my wishes to be in the top and come back in the new belt again because for me wbc is the best belt ever
1: okay You've already got the WBA and the WBO. It'll look nice um in your house next to those two. And and finally, Hassan, um have you got any kind of closing message, any last message just for our listeners before we let you go?
0: I don't understand what you said.
1: I'm saying do you have any like final message for the listeners just before you go? Uh, any 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 message?
0: Yeah, only to to people that um, I'm here. I, will, I I'm not coming back. I was here and uh, only walking in my corner don't want to stop people so continue to follow me continue to support and give me all your support for this fight for such a day and for all the fight that i will do in 2019 and all the best for everyone merry christmas and happy new year to everybody
1: Very well said, Hassan. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. I wish you the best of luck on Saturday. Have a happy Christmas, have a happy New Year, and we'll speak sometime in 2019.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Okay, and this wraps up episode 166 of the Box Hard podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the former heavyweight world title challenger Dominic Brazil and the former two-time middleweight world champion Hassan and Dam. I wish both men the very best of luck in their respective fights on Saturday. Two extremely cool guys. The prediction league now currently stands at myself in the lead on 82 points. I as and you, the listener are tied on 75 points but remember there are 7 points up for grabs this weekend there has been 1 or 2 bits of news of Surface surfaced during the recording of this show, top rank have now signed the light heavyweight world champion Alida Alvarez on a co-promotional deal, obviously Alvarez will be rematching Kovalev on February 2nd, on the undercard of that it's been announced that Teofimo Lopez the high flying prospect will fight the former 2 time world title challenger Diego Mag. Delino, former opponent of Terry Flanagan, what a fight that will be and also on that card we will get to see Richard Comey fight for the vacant IBF lightweight world title against the Russian Issa Shanaev and also on that card Oscar Valdez defends his WBO world title against the undefeated Italian Carmine Tomasson, on February 9th we'll finally get to see the return of Gervonta Davies, he's back in action he takes on Abner Mahrez. what a cracking fight that will be and in other news on the Pacquiao versus Broner undercard Badu Jack will fight the undefeated Marcus Brown for the interim WBA world light heavyweight title and Roche Warren will also be on the undercard he takes on uh, the undefeated 14 and 0 Frenchman Nordin Ubali that one is for the vacant WBC world bantamweight title but that's about it for the news this will be the last time that you hear from us before Christmas comes so I hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas with their family we will be be back next week with the christmas special so don't miss that one thank you all once again for listening and we'll catch up with you next week